we're doing a series on uh, just two weeks here. And last week, Pastor Ben preached to start us off, and I'm finishing up today. And the, the series is just titled Thankful. Thankful. You know, there's nothing better for us to take time in our lives to make sure we're refocused and refocused on the good things God is doing for us. The good things God has done for us. It's important for our mental health, our emotional health, for us to navigate this life well. We can spend all our time in the muck and the mire and the mess. We can spend all time there and and we do have to live there a lot of days. But we can rise above our situation by realizing and remembering that God's good. He's blessed us. He's met our needs. And being thankful is a solution to it. We focused on this series a little bit on um, putting aside and working to put aside the worries in our lives and focus on the goodness of God. But with Thanksgiving coming up, I want you to be prepared for your Thanksgiving meal. And so uh, I got some good jokes for you to go into Thanksgiving prepared for. Here, these are quality. Here's the first one. What did the turkey say before it was roasted? Boy, I'm stuffed. Why do turkeys go around and say gobble, gobble? Because they never learned good table manners. <sighs> Come on, these are great. What, what, what key, if, I, if you got to talk somebody into it, you're in trouble, right? What key has legs and can't, and uh, what key has legs but can't open doors? A turkey. Yeah, you've heard that one. Okay, why did the turkey cross the road? Because it was a chicken's day off. I don't know. Why do you, what do you call a running turkey? Fast food. Why does the pilgrim's pants always fall down? Because they're where, they wear their belt buckle on their hat. That's not where it belongs. Okay, what's the best dance to do at Thanksgiving? The turkey trot, which 90% of us don't know what that is. Why, uh, what did the turkey say to the computer? Google, Google, Google. I don't know. Hey, listen, we are. Hey, you got something to go into Thanksgiving with. If you're desperate, you can use some of these. But I, I do hope you have a great Thanksgiving week and a celebration and a thankfulness for all God's done. We live in a great state, right? We live in a great country. We got a, a growing, great football team, whatever you need to look for. But we're, we're blessed beyond measure. And the reality is, in all seriousness, we need to get refocused. Being thankful is important for us. It's important for our lives. It's important for our spiritual life. That we walk through life with an attitude of gratitude. That we realize we have good things that are being poured out on us all the time. And so Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, kind of our key verse for this, uh, just these two weeks here. It's a very simple verse. In it, the Apostle Paul gives a prescription to us of how to navigate life. We were not meant God does not want us to walk through life worrying and stressed out all the time. Anxious, nervous, carrying the weight of all of the world on our shoulders. This is not God's plan for your life. If you find yourself in that spot, can I reassure you? Can I remind you? That is not how God wants you to walk through this life. Maybe you've taken that stuff on yourself Instead of giving it to God, which is what he's asked us to do. So today we want to look at some key scriptures. This first one is Philippians 4, 4, 6. Follow along the screen. If you haven't looked up on your Bible app, follow along there. This is what it says. Don't worry about anything. I looked at the original language in the Greek. The word for anything actually means 
anything. Don't worry about anything, okay? Instead, here's the opposite of worry. Here's the opposite. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. This is what the prayer looks like. This is what praying about everything looks like. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. This is the process. This is our little um, uh, prescription by the Apostle Paul to walk through life the way God intended. To walk through life with a sense of peace. With a sense of order in our minds and hearts. Not bound up and mixed up in all the craziness that goes on around us. He says you don't have to walk in that. You can walk with God. You can trust God. Here's how it works. Instead of worrying, pray. There's an action that we put into place. And here's how you pray. Tell God what you need. Ask him for what he's done. This is a rhythm of life. It's a rhythm to our lives. When we made a decision to follow Jesus, if you're here today and you've done that, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you, um, you come to God and you say, listen, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm separated from you. I've been, in re- I've been living in rebellion to you. I've been living the opposite of the way you want me to live. I recognize that. I'm headed to hell and destruction. I need a savior. And you come to Jesus because Jesus offers you life and forgiveness and grace. It's not anything that you or I have done, but we come to God and go, I need your help. I need you. People walking through life that don't need God, don't need anything, haven't come to that place. They're not sitting around going, God, I need your forgiveness, right? It's when we recognize that. And then we come to God and go, I need you in my life. And we open up our life. We repent of our sins. We ask for his forgiveness. And the scriptures teach us that the spirit of God comes to dwell within us. That God himself sends his spirit to walk, uh, to live inside of our lives and to walk with us through this life. And what the Spirit of God begins to teach us, and what the Scriptures teach us is that rhythm of our life changes. There's a transformation that takes place. Rather than walking through life in a humanistic way, depending on myself, my abilities, my gifts, my strengths, my money, whatever it is, instead of walking through life that way, handling my problems and my situation with those things, I shift over to a spiritual life. I walk through life with the presence, the power of God in my life. And instead of depending on myself for everything, I'm taught to depend on God for everything. That's a huge transition. Does it happen like that? No. It takes a process because I have a humanistic mind. It's been trained to think I need to solve things. I need to handle things. That's how I've been raised. That's how I've been taught. That's how I've lived. But God comes in and says, let me teach you a different way to live. Let me show you something different. I'm going to walk with you. And so this transformation, this rhythm has to take place. And I love this verse. I wanted to focus on it for a couple weeks because it's a simple um, process. It's a simple prescription for how to do this. And so we've got to walk into Thanksgiving week, holiday season with this deep in our minds and consciousness rooted in how to walk through this season with God. Look, I know that the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, for, for many is just a joyous time of year. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to be happy. And everyone wears that on their faces, on the outside saying, hey, this is great. You know, uh, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas. And we just love this time of year. But the reality is for a lot of us and for many in the world around us, this time of year triggers things that aren't good. It can trigger a sense of loss. 
It can bring up the reality of broken and damaged relationships. It can bring that stuff up. It can trigger, you know, this time of year triggers a lot of uh, re-engaging of addiction that maybe there's been victory on throughout the rest of the year. And then all of a sudden this time of year hits and boom. And so I know this is reality. Listen, I want to give you a prescription from scripture. I want to look today into some scriptures, the promises of God that we can walk into the season with confidence, with strength, not looking to a dependency on the, um, our past life and our humanistic way of dealing with the world, but walking into this season with God's strength, focused on him, right? Sound good? Yeah? Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the promises in your word. I pray that you would guide us and lead us through this time, that we would hear from you, we would firmly get rooted in you so that we could walk with strength through this time of year. Thank you for this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two practices that we want to look at in this, uh, the second half of this verse today. First one is this. Tell God what you need. If you're going to walk through life with a spiritual sense of God's presence, we're going to be in a spirit of prayer. We're going to be talking to God on a regular basis as I start my day, as I go through my day, as I end my day. I'm going to be talking to God just as though he's right there with me. Because he is, right? He's right there with me. And so I'm not just walking in a sense that I've got to stop and have a formal conversation with God, though that's important at times. I can walk through my day with a sense of his presence and talking to him. And so we're told in this verse to tell God what you need. Now, I've been tempted, and I've heard others, tempted at times to say, I'm not going to take that to God. I know it's a need, but it seems real trivial or selfish. I'm not going to take that to him. I'm not going to waste his time with that. I mean, after all, he's holding the universe together. You know, he's got stuff to do. He doesn't have to worry about my little problems and my little issues. You know, the reality is that that statement is a lie from the enemy. It comes from our pride and it comes from the enemy's voice trying to get us to disconnect from God and not go to him with each and everything that we need. That's why we're taught here to go to God with everything we need, no matter what the need is, no matter how trivial you might think that it is. That's not the point. See, the point is that you're going to God, talking to him on a regular basis about everything. Your interaction with God on a regular basis grows your sense of faith and dependency on him. It teaches you that everything you have comes from him, that he's the source of all of it. And so we look at a couple different categories we can break our lives into in terms of the needs that we have. The reality is that we are needy people. We do need. We, we have a vacuums in his holes in us. We have needs. Okay. So don't pretend that you're above that. That's just living in a place called denial. You do have needs. You're not tough enough to meet all your needs. You need God. And so let's learn to go with him or go to him. A sense of dependency on God grows us. It makes us stronger instead of weaker. And so the first area of need we might look at is our physical needs. We all are physical beings. We live in a physical world. We have physical needs. This is reality. The needs of our bodies. Philippians 4.19 says this. The Apostle Paul, talking to the, uh, the church in Philippi, he said, listen, guys, I've learned the secret of living with a lot, more than I need, excess, or living with a little, barely enough to survive. He said, I've learned the secret of living with either one of those and being content. 
not being worried or concerned, agitated inside because I don't have enough because I'm walking in a place of contentment. He learned the secret of that. And the reason, he says, is because God has met his needs. He has what he needs, and he's learned that dependency on God. But he goes on to say in Philippians 4.19 that he says this to the church, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from what? His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Can I remind you this morning that the God of the Bible, the God that created the universe, that sent his son Jesus to walk this earth, to die for us, to forgive our sins, that's the God that has everything, that made everything. If you need something, if you need resources, that is the God that you want to pray to because he has access to everything. He can control the flow of resources. Listen, I lived in a ministry family growing up. My dad was in seminary. There were six of us in the family, a lot of mouths to feed. And there were times where we were not sure where the next meal was going to come from. There was no guaranteed paycheck or sense of, hey, uh, you know, I've got resources coming in regularly. It was this life of trusting God, living by faith, and trusting that God's people would respond to the needs of people. But they don't always know. And so there were times, well, I wasn't sure anyway as a kid where the next meal was going to come from. And I remember coming home during the holiday season one year, finding a box on our front step that had some food in it, had some stuff in it. And it began to teach me, along with other things, that God is going to provide. Now, yesterday, something amazing like that happened here through this church. We collected enough food to deliver 200 Thanksgiving meals to folks around this region in this valley. Yes, that's cool. <laughs> 200. I think it was the, I think it's a new record as far as the number. But regardless, God is using this church. Now, this is how it works. There are people that don't, out in our community that don't know where the next meal is going to go. They're not sure how they're going to make it. And God said, listen, I got a church here with people that got some resources. I've got um, a, a grocery store that's got some resources. Let's take those resources, channel them through this church to people that need it. Listen, it's not just a physical action that we got involved in a good thing. God is a part of this, right? Look, God did that for those people that we don't even, some of you know, we don't all know who they are. Do you not think that God can do that for you? Do you not realize that the God of the universe who made all things, who has all things, understands your physical needs? The promises that scripture teach us, teaches us is that he will meet them and that he will move to meet them. So we need to trust him. We need to go to him with those needs. Secondary need is mentally we got our physical arena. we got our mental arena. What occupies our mind? What do we think about? What are the things that you're, the problems that you're trying to solve in your mind? What are the situations that you're engaged in thinking about as you go throughout your day? What are the things that uh, occupy your thoughts? These are, this is the arena where we have needs. Listen, the reality is that there are some issues that we process in our minds. Because we're trying to find a solution that, quite frankly, we have no ability to solve. Yet, those things can occupy our thoughts and a lot of our energy. 1 Peter 5.7 is an amazing verse about this. 
The things that we think about tend to be concerns that we have. This is what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Give all of your worries and cares to God. Look, this is an important practice. This is important discipline. It's important that we walk through life doing this. That we say, listen, I got it. Oh, I just realized I've been thinking about this problem with this person for the last hour, last day, last week, last month, last year. How long? How long are you going to go on trying to solve the problem? How long are you going to go on thinking about the issue? Look, this can occupy our lives. It can fill up all of our waking hours and sleeping hours. It can really ruin stuff for us. But we, per- we persist in it oftentimes. When scripture says, listen, hold on, there's another way to live. Oh, you follow Jesus? Oh, you have the Holy Spirit within you? There's a different way to live. Cast those things on God. Why? Because he cares about you. That's number one. Second piece, which is not in this verse, but I'll just say it is this. He's actually able to solve the problems and carry the things that we're not. Why is it that we think we can solve a problem involves another person when we don't have the power to control them? Why is it we think that? I don't know. But we spend a lot of energy, including this guy, at times concerned about all that. Listen, hand it to God. Cast it on him. Means throw it, man. Get rid of it. Get it off of yourself and onto God. There is a release that comes, a relief that comes with that, and peace that can begin to enter your life again. Cast our concerns on God. The things that control our thoughts and minds, we need to have the bandwidth up here to think about the good things that God's trying to get us to think about. To think about the good works that he has for us to do and not concerned with the negative stuff and the stuff we can't solve. You know, the sobriety prayer, serenity prayer has to do with that idea that I will um, take responsibility for the things that I can control and I will entrust to God the things that I cannot. And I got to know the difference and I got to be able to walk in that. Listen, God wants to meet our physical needs, our mental needs. He also wants to meet our spiritual needs. We have spiritual needs. Now you go, listen, I've decided to follow Jesus. Isn't that naturally meeting my spiritual needs? Yes, but there's a component to it that I've got to learn, that I've got to begin to walk in and discipline myself to walk in and make a decision to walk in each and every day, right? One of the areas of spiritual need is this arena of knowing what God's will is. What is it that God wants me to do? I've got this path I could go down, this path I could go down. I've got this situation. I could sell this. I could buy that. What am I going to do? We want to know what God's will is because we want it to result in success. We want to see the right outcome. And so we say, God, what do you want me to do? Listen, can I encourage you with an amazing passage? You may have read before. You may have heard it. um, But this is just fascinating to me. The lengths to which God is willing to go to engage in our lives in the arenas that we need him the most, that we're most concerned about. And this is one of them. I know a lot of people. Man, I just want to know what God's will is. Take heart with this. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. Listen to this. This is amazing. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. We're not sure what his will is. We're not sure what direction. So how do we know what to pray? The Holy Spirit prays for us, check this out, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father 
who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with what? With God's own will. And we know, this is the wrap-up, we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Rest easy. You don't know what God wants you to do. You're not sure how to pray. The Spirit of God is talking to the Father on your behalf. The Spirit of God is praying to the Father concerning you. And the Father hears and knows his will, obviously, and knows the desire and the intentions of people, connects those two. And Paul says at the end of it, listen, if you're really concerned, stop worrying about it. Here's the truth. We know everything works for the good of those who love God. Here's the reality. If you're walking through life, you're not sure how it's going to go, not sure what direction to go, trust God. He's already working on this issue for you. Behind the scenes, in ways you may not even be aware of. The Holy Spirit's at work. God the Father's at work. They're interacting on your behalf. Secondly, no matter what you decide to do, here's how powerful God is. He can work all of that out, no matter what it is, for your good. Listen, man, it's going to be okay. God is at work. He's walking with you. He's interacting on your behalf. And no matter what you do in this life as you're following him, he can work that thing out for your good. Are you going to make a huge mistake, made a bad deci- you know, a decision to go in the wrong direction? Everything's going to fall apart. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because God's more powerful than your ability to make a decision. Your ability to make a decision when you're walking with God is governed and dictated in part by the will of God. And he's going to make sure that his will gets done. So don't panic. Don't worry. Don't get overly concerned. Just pray. Ask God for wisdom, trust him, make the best decision you can, and trust that God is going to work so that it all works out for your good. Is that incredible? Look, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. Can't even understand how that works. I just know that it's true. And it gives me a lot of reassurance. And can I tell you, almost 50, I know that's not a long time, but some of you, that's like a long time. Um, Listen, it works. It's true. I've made some decisions from a career standpoint that were horrible. It didn't work out. But God didn't, those things didn't throw off what God's plan was for me. He continued to bring all those things together so that it worked out according to his will for my good. Listen, it's how it works. It's the truth. When you belong to God, he's at work in your life. We can trust him with our spiritual needs. Lastly, this more, or last need that we have is our emotional needs that we're looking at this morning deepest desires of our hearts. Sometimes there's something going on inside of us that's so deep and so uh, concerning, so important that it weighs so heavy on us. It almost uh, slows us down or stops us from being able to move and function in a normal way just because this thing is so heavy. There's a story in the Bible in 1 Samuel. It's about Samuel's mom. His name was Hannah. And she had this deep desire to have a child. She wanted to have a baby, but she wasn't able to. And so she was, um, she, her womb was closed. She wasn't able to have a baby. And so this, this was weighed heavy on her heart. It was a deep, deep desire that she had. And she was like, man, God, I just need you to do something. Would you please move and act and heal me and allow me to have this uh, desire? It's a good desire. I just want to have a baby. And one day she was uh, with her family. It was kind of a time of celebration. And she was so distraught. She couldn't eat. She couldn't engage right? 
Some of us have been there before. We're so worried about something so stirred up inside, we just can't even function. And here's where she was. And so she went to the temple. She went to church. She said, I'm going to pray. And she went into the temple and she began to pray there, just pleading with God. God, would you please move? Would you please do something? And the priest saw her, Eli. And he looked at her and he saw her lips were moving, but he didn't hear any sound coming out of her mouth. And so he drew a conclusion that she'd been drinking. He walked up to her and said, woman, come on, man. It's in the morning here. You're in church and you're drunk. Come on, get out of here and sober up and then come back. And she said, no, 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 I'm not. I'm just, I'm just deep in prayer. Like this is, I can't even tell you. It's so important to me. It's so heavy to me. I'm just praying to God and asking that he would perform a miracle in me. See, I can't have children and I desperately want, want one. And Eli said, oh man, I'm sorry. I came to the wrong conclusion. God bless you. May your prayers be answered. Somehow for her, this brought relief. The priest saying that gave her the assurance that God had heard her prayers. And so she went back to her family. She was able to eat. Her countenance was lifted. She knew that that prayer request had entered into God's hands. Can I tell you something this morning? We don't need to go through a priest. You don't need to come to a pastor to pray and to know that your prayers have been heard. The scripture teaches us the spirit of God dwells within us and our prayers are instantly transmitted to God's ears. We pray because of Jesus, because of what he's done. We pray through him to the father and we're told the spirit, as I just read, carries our prayers and concerns, even when we don't know what they are, even when we don't know how to articulate them. Look, this connection to God is a powerful one. It's real. It's real time. It's happening right now. And as you go through your day, do we walk in an awareness of that? Are we aware of his presence? Are we taking our needs to him, interacting with those physical needs we have, the spiritual needs we have, the mental needs we have, the emotional needs we have? I assure you that God's aware. He wants you to come to him so that your dependence on him grows and your relationship with him, your faith in him is strengthened. Let's take our requests to God. Let's take our prayer concerns to God. It's important for us. Second practice that we see in the scripture is gratitude. The second part of this section of the verse says this, thank God for all he has done. Thank him for all he's done. What an important piece and practice in life to have a sense of gratitude. I can tell you that complaining, negativity, discontentment, Um, frustration. It's like a cancer in me. When I start to think that way, sometimes it's just because I'm tired and hungry, right? But sometimes it's because I've got a mindset that's going the wrong direction. And I start to get more negative and it just builds and builds. And pretty soon um, I'm frustrated with everyone around me. It doesn't matter whether they've done something wrong or not. I'm just upset, right? I'm just frustrated. And oftentimes, My wife, whose voice at times can sound like the Holy Spirit's, she'll remind me, that was a joke, she'll remind me, she'll remind me, hey, it's good to be thankful. Life isn't a mess. Everything's not bad. You need to refocus. You've gotten in a spot where you're thinking wrongly about everything. Listen, having gratitude is good for all of us. Having a sense of that's why this time of year is so important. We get a chance, an excuse to be thankful It changes our lives. 
There's three arenas in the Bible that gratitude kind of centers around when we read the scriptures. One is God's protection. Two is God's blessings. And three is God's love. His protection, his blessings, and his love. Reading the scriptures, a lot of the time when gratitude is expressed, it's around one of these three things. And so, first of all, protection. God is moving to protect. He's moving to watch over us. He is actively involved in our lives as followers of Jesus. And he's aware of the threats against us, oftentimes when we are not even aware. He's aware of what's happening in a spiritual arena, in the physical realm, because he knows all things. And so God is working to protect us. Jesus himself in John 17 prayed a prayer. It's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. He prayed for his disciples at the time, but he also prayed for us who would follow him thousands of years later. This is what he says in his prayer. Listen for the protection piece. He says this, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they can bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming uh, because I'm coming to you or but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. So of course, Judas is who Jesus is talking about. But it was for, uh, it was planned ahead of time. It was all um, talked about that he would be the one that would turn Jesus over and betray him. So Jesus is saying, look, God the Father, I'm praying that you would protect those that belong to you. That you would give them protection. Jesus himself praying for your protection and mine. I think it's interesting as you think about this area of protection, sometimes we can see where God protected us. We come close to the edge of disaster. Like we came right up to it and we're like, man, one more, uh, one more thing that would have come in, one more bill and we'd have been out of this. We'd have been filing bankruptcy. Like one more piece. You can see where you walked right up to the edge. I've been there. The other thing that's interesting though with protection is I believe most of the times when we're protected by God, we're not even aware. We have no idea what we are about to face or run into. We're, uh, uh, the problem that was about to overtake our lives, the spiritual attack that was coming on us, we're not even aware of it. Why? Because it never hit. <laughs> because we were protected by God before it happened. God steps in, intervenes many times. How many times? I have no idea. I can only imagine countless times. Maybe countless times a day that God is protection. His walking with me intervenes and stops something from happening. I know that the times he allows things to come through and hit me, they're for a purpose. They're to teach me something. They're to utilize my life to show someone else who he is so that I can be an example to the world of how to deal with a difficult situation. See, it's not that I won't face pain and struggle. Jesus actually said in this world, you'll face trials and tribulation, but what? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, Jesus said, I've already conquered it. Death and destruction has no more power over you. Your body will uh, struggle. You'll have pain and difficulty, but it's not going to win because I own your spirit. I paid for it. It belongs to me. Your life belongs to me, and you're going to end up in heaven with me someday with no pain and difficulty, right? That's the promise we have. And so we walk with God. 
knowing that he's protecting us. I want to encourage you to remember to thank him for the times you know he protected you. But I want to encourage you too to pray for the times that he's protected you and you didn't know it. You didn't know the problem was coming. Listen, God's at work, actively at work in your life. Thank him for his protection. Second area is blessing. Blessings are good things that come to us through God. James 1, 17 and 18 says this, wherever or whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. We are the prized possession of God. His children, his creation, the pinnacle of his creation, human beings. See, we are made in his image. The only part of creation made in his image. We're designed to be the most like him, to reflect him. Our lives are to be mirror examples or mirrors of God himself. That's what he intended. When he created human beings, he made us to be like him. Not God, obviously, but to reflect him. And because of sin, because of choosing to walk away from God, because of choosing to use the decision-making power that he gave us, to use it for ourselves rather than to be obedient to him, sin entered the world. And so we struggle. We walk through life with struggles and difficulties. But the, the good news is that God continues to bless us. Every good and perfect gift, everything good in your life is there as a result of God and his blessings poured out on you. The greatest blessing by far that we've received from God is his salvation. It's a gift of salvation that God would say, look, I know you human beings rebelled against me. You decided to walk away and do your own thing, but I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to come after you. I'm going to chase you down and I'm going to get you back. And that's literally what God has done. He recognized the problem that we created. He moved to provide a solution. He said, I'm going to come. I'm going to send my son to earth to walk this earth, to live a sinless life. He's going to go to a cross. He's going to suffer and die to pay for, to be a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Unbelievable. We didn't even know we needed that. Most of the human race had no idea that this was even a need, and yet God moved. He moved on our behalf. What does the Bible say about this salvation? Ephesians chapter 1, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it's described like this. Once you were dead... Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though um, we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's plan for us as a human race was not to be separated from him, not to be living our own independent rebellious lives, but to be connected with him, to be reflecting him, to be walking in his love. Uh, the, the apostle John said, he talked about it like it was walking in the light. That was God's intention for us. We walked away from it and Jesus, God moved through Jesus to reconnect, to bring us back. Our salvation is a blessing that we should walk and, uh, in recognition of every day of our lives. The recognition that we've been saved, that God moved to sacrifice for us. The last thing we see in scripture oftentimes that is um, a sense of gratitude expressed to God for is God's great love for us. We know that love was the motivation. It was the fuel that moved Jesus to do what he did, to walk through the passion and suffering. It was love. This is what the Bible says about God's love for us. 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God doesn't just love, he is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God has moved on our behalf. He's intervened. His great love for us was the motivation. He didn't have to move to save us. And yet because of who he is, because of his character, because the nature of who he is, is love, he had to. He had to move. He had to act to reconnect us. Healthy people walk through this life with a sense of gratitude, with a recognition that they have needs, but their needs are being met by an all-powerful, all-loving, all-caring God. Healthy people walk through this life resting their needs constantly on God not on themselves and their inability to meet those needs, but on God who has every ability to meet those needs. This is how healthy people walk through life. Listen, we can move into the holiday season with a sense of unrest, concern, agitation. We can get caught into the drama of the world around us. Sometimes it's created by people outside of us. Sometimes it's created by us right? Sometimes we're the cause of the drama. We can do that. We can move into Thanksgiving and experience the peace of God, the rest of God, or we can struggle, or we can walk into it causing more problems. There's a saying that I learned a long time ago. If you meet a jerk in the morning, he's a jerk. If you meet jerks all day long, you're the jerk, right? Hey, come on. Come on, there's a little truth to that. Like sometimes I think everyone around me is a mess. Why are they so crazy? People are just crazy. Come on, fix. These people need to get their act together. 
And the reality is that I'm the mess, right? I'm causing all that as I go through my, the reason everybody reacts wrong around me is because I'm bringing drama into their world. And sometimes I need to step back a minute, connect to the living God, remember that he wants to bring peace into my life, ask him for what I need instead of just trying to solve it all myself. Ask him, throw my, cur- my concerns, my worries, my burdens on him so I can offload them off of my spirit, which can't handle them, but I continue to try to carry them and it crushes me and I become a mess and I'm filled with things. Right, come on. We, we've all experienced this. We're human beings. Let's be real. The reality is God says, I want to take that stuff. Give it to me and I'll carry it. I'll carry it for you and I can do something about it. You can't. Practicing an attitude of gratitude brings healing into our lives. Saying thank you, God, for what you've done. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourself to prayer. So often we try to do everything else. It's like when I get a new, uh, when my kids were younger and we get a new something for them, some assembly required, and I go, I don't need those stupid instructions. Only an idiot would need instructions. I'm smarter than that. I can figure it out. And so after a bunch of frustration and struggle, I would need the instructions. We do that with our lives. We go, I can figure this out. I can handle it. No, I'm not going to take, come on, man. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I can do it. And then we try to carry it. We try to figure it out. And pretty soon we find our place, uh, ourselves in a place where things are a mess and it's not working. And oftentimes that's what it takes for us to go to God and go, okay, I guess I'm crying, uncle, I need some help. We don't have to do that. What God wants us to do, what Paul's talking about here is building a rhythm into our lives on a daily basis where we're interacting with God. We're asking for his help. We're throwing and casting and giving our burdens and needs to him. And then we're thanking him. See how that works? God, you, you got to carry this. You got to take this. I need you to handle this. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for what you've done for me. I'm telling you, that brings you into a healthy place emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, quick. It rights the ship. It brings us into a right place. Practice an attitude of gratitude. God ultimately wants to lead us in a path of peace, not a path of anguish and uh, anxiety and nervousness and worry. That's not the life that God called us to. Jesus didn't say, come, follow me, and you can be anxious, nervous, worried, right? No, he said, come, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Uh, It's easier. My burden is lighter than the one you'll carry on your own. He wants to give us a path of peace that we can walk in. He says, listen, I'll give you my peace. It, It passes or surpasses all understanding. Logically, In your mind, you will not understand why you should have peace in your spirit because you should be worked up. Things should be riled up inside of you. But no, you can have peace. I want to give it to you. This is the kind of peace that God wants us to walk in. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace 
will be with you. We can focus our minds on the things that are good, the things that are right, the things that are pure, the things that are holy, the things that we should be thinking about. See how that pulls our heart and mind in the right direction. But in order to do that, we've got to free up some bandwidth in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirits to be receptive to the good things, right? So we've got to get rid of that stuff. We've got to move it off the plate. We've got to shift it over to the God who wants to carry it for us. It doesn't mean it goes away and we ignore, oh, we live in la-la land. No, there's a reality to it. We know they're there, but we're not carrying the weight of it. See, then we can focus on the goodness on what God wants us to be walking in. I'm telling you what, if you want to be strong walking through this life, That's the path. That's the path to strength is to say, God, I'm trusting you. Here's my stuff. I'm going to focus on what you're doing. God, thank you so much for the power and strength, the presence that you bring into our lives. You want us to walk in it. God, oftentimes I and we get off track. We lose focus. We lose sight of who you are and what you're doing. And we start to try to carry things ourselves, walk through life, Uh, shouldering our own burdens and problems and issues, and yet you want us to walk with you to release those things to you so that we can focus on the good. God, I pray that you would give us strength as we walk into this season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, that we would be reminded each and every day. We begin our day, we would go through our day, and we'd end our day remembering that you're with us, relying on your presence and power, asking you for help, giving you our needs, and then thanking you for all you've done. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for uh, your presence in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.